0: All right. Hey, guys, welcome to the (laughs) end. This is not the Endless Endeavor podcast. This is Enlightened Neanderthals (laughs) uh, sponsored by Training Northwest. I am the owner of Training Northwest located in Granite Falls, Washington, and we are currently running some firearms classes and recently announced our first uh, multi-day class called uh, Rifleman Camp 2023 So you guys can check that out on our website, trainingnorthwestllc.com. And today's episode is our book review, book report of With the Old Breed on Peleliu and Okinawa by Eugene Sledge. And this was Mike Kozak's book recommendation. It was outstanding. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's, It's grisly and gritty. And I don't know, Mike, you have anything you want to say about it?
1: Uh, read it and see why your grandpa is a better person than you are.
0: <laughs> 100%. Yeah. All right. And I think that's all you need to know. Enjoy the episode. Before we get into the book, Mike. Yes. Did you say you have an owl story too? A secondhand owl story. I wanted to ask you about it, but then I thought I'd wait till we were recording. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, go ahead. Let's hear your owl story. Oh, so I hit an owl going 70 miles an hour on I-5, and... The guys I was carpooling with like jumped awake and were like, "What was that?" and said, "Oh man, we hit an owl." And they said, "Do you want to pull over and check?" And I said, "No, he's we were going seventy. He's he's done for." And uh, they're like, "No, I mean check your radiator." I said, "Nah, we'll you know the we'll we'll see the temperature climbing if the radiator's damaged." And so we kept going another like fifteen miles to our exit. As we were getting off, one of them asked if I'd pull into the little AMPM to get coffee, and as he gets out. He kind of jumps back and goes, holy shit, it's still alive. And I see this brown wing, like, flapping (laughs) over the hood of my truck. Uh, Like, holy crap, man. We jump out, and this owl had, he had hit my license plate, which had nothing behind it. So the license plate, like, collapsed in and, like, sort of caught him, and he was stuck in that hole, like, right behind, or the hole in the bumper right behind the license plate. And so, you know, he's looking at us like he's pissed, (laughs) and he's wedged in there pretty tight. And so fortunately, we were... I don't know a quarter mile walk from the job site, so we went and got an impact driver and a like <laughs> like twenty four inches worth of uh, mag tips to extend that thing, so we wouldn't have to get close to him. We backed out the license plate bolts, <laughs> and uh, oh, we called the animal like the county animal control officer, and she showed up with a like a dog kennel and a towel. So we backed out the license plate bolts, threw a towel over the thing, and they took him to the humane center or whatever. And they called me a week later and said the owl. They're like, yeah, he's he's gonna lose one of his like he one of his toes was just severed in whenever he got hit by the license plate, and he has a dislocated wing, and he's gonna stay here for like three months, and we'll re-release him. Rehabilitation set yeah, for dude, hours. I was like, Yeah, I seventy miles an hour, man.
2: <laughs> Those things. right in there yeah Yeah. all
1: those feathers though they are like an airbag it's not like you punch an owl and immediately Uh hits that owl you got to get through like six inches of feather yeah that's slowing down the impact (laughs) you know what i mean
0: but still he hit that license plate dead on (laughs) anywhere else on that bumper he'd probably be be, yeah that's (laughs) fucking wild uh uh yeah, so I got an owl story, I guess. Then, um, so this isn't uh,
1: <laughs> this is how this podcast is turning, right? Uh, this isn't my owl story per se. This is around the campfire owl story. So uh, I can't confirm or deny this is true, but a friend of mine, he was hunting with uh, another guy, and they were deep, deep, deep somewhere in the woods, and they were turkey hunting. And sometimes you get in places where the further you go out, it seems like not everyone applies by the rules. And so they were turkey hunting and they were turkey hunting at night and they were driving. And my buddy was passenger in a car and the guy's driving. And all of a sudden he goes, Oh my God, there it is. And he slams on the brake. And my friend says he sees the guy get out and he's looking through the windshield and he sees him in the headlights and he aims straight up with the shotgun and pulls the trigger. Boom! Next thing you know, it wasn't a turkey. An owl fell onto the hood of the car, (laughs) and they thought, oh, he thought it was a turkey. So
0: that's my second-hand owl story. Yeah, I don't have any owl stories. All right. Yeah. Should we skip straight to the book then? So we read, yeah. uh, We read With the Old Breed on... uh, on Pelelu in Okinawa by E.B. Sledge. And I guess we should probably say it's... Uh, I think it's published by Ballantine Books. Um, but, Mike, this is your recommendation. This one's actually been on my, my to-do list for a long time. It's just... Yeah, same. Okay. Well, so... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I'll, I'll let you take it away from here.
1: Uh, I don't... Want, let's see. How... The way I came across it was, I forget, it was an interview or a podcast or something years and years ago. And uh, it was someone that was military, not like of that time, but someone that's currently in the military. And they're just talking about understanding your military history and stuff. And the guy just brought up how uh, an example of just brutality and how war can really drive people and you know that makes tough men and the example he was given was in Peleliu Sledge recalls an example of uh stripping a uh, field not field stripping but harvesting uh what do you call it goods rewards extracting Gold teeth. teeth yeah pulling stuff like that and that uh There was a dead Japanese, and a soldier went to grab him and go extract his teeth, and the guy wasn't really completely dead, and the soldier was just so brutalized by war, he didn't care. He got out his K-bar, and as the guy's wiggling, he just started extracting, and the guy moved, so he slashed open his mouth even wider so he had easier access to his mouth. And, yeah, I mean, it's a gruesome story. Luckily, in Sledge's account, that the guy... Someone else came up and shot that guy in the head, that Japanese. But I just, uh, I was just like, "What in the fuck are these people doing? What is this? This is insane!" And so I just found what that was from. That was from this book, and I just wanted to read the book. And then reading this book, especially, just sent off a interest in knowing the story of more Pacific soldiers in World War II. I, I mean, we all kind of knew Hitler. I mean, everyone knows Hitler, but no one knows about, you know, the imperial kings of Japan, you know, and that the military and the king were two different units and just how Japan rose and why they were so vicious as a people, who they were as a culture, how they were able to get into power. And yeah, this book to me was just a, a springboard, a launching point into getting more involved with the pacific war and i mean you can read books about stats and give you information but i think things that really hook you in are emotional stories and this story of this soldier and in this war and what he went through and him as a character he was a really good guy i mean he by all accounts he seems to be like a sweet honest, nice human being yeah. and what war can do to anyone, no matter how good you think you are or altruistic that the most extreme s- setting circumstances, the things that you're inflicted on right now, how that can change you as a person. And I, this book to me just lit off everything in that and wanting to know more about why we were there, how we were there, what was involved with it and what these soldiers went through
2: how the fuck am
3: I supposed to fall that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> fuck.
2: Uh, well, there was that one point in there, because, you know, how you're saying, they turned kind of brutalistic or whatever, um, if that's even a word. Uh, but he... Sledge goes in and ends up like going to extract a tooth from a, a dead soldier. Yeah, and there was that doctor that was like, "Hey, no. cat
1: as well." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
2: And he and he stops him and he tells him, "No germs. You know, you don't want to get the those Japanese germs on you or whatever." And he was like, "Oh," and, and in the time it, it stopped him, but the doctor was like trying to. Yeah, I think he
0: reflects on it later and says, yeah, "Yes, yes he, yeah. he In reality, he wasn't worried about the germs. You know, he realized that saving his humanity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Who he was. That. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, through
2: through the whole the whole journey of like wanting to because from the beginning of the book, he goes through and he he, his parents, it's it's like there was no back in the day, it seemed like it was like, you're going to join the military. Like, I feel like that was kind of like a normal thing as opposed to now, like all the young men, it seemed like, oh, we're just yeah, we're
0: joining the military. It's World War, you know. Oh, I thought you meant when. okay yep, absolutely. Yeah, people were committing suicide because they couldn't get in. It's sort of that. uh just like the beginning of the movie Captain America where he's despondent because the military wouldn't accept him. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So so within that like, you know, as as that was happening, he was going to do the officer school and then they they all started flunking out. <laughs> you know, they're like fuck <laughs> this, we got to go yeah. we got to join this war, you know, we're yeah. not going to we're not here to do college. So um
1: well, in sledge in particular, his friends and I believe it was his brother was in the military already, and they were serving, and I think yeah, that's a great point. You want to like, it's not hot to join the military now. I mean, and I get that with what I think, but, you know. I think in two thousand two, yeah, yeah, two thousand two, yeah, yeah, exactly. Every, it was the same. It was same go fact, for it. Yeah, exactly. We were just attacked, so I think yeah, that weighs heavily on you. Look at these character and what people did in that time period, what they felt was morally right. And they had to do mm-hmm. was join this fight. Yeah. Um, and I, it was much more, I mean, you look at world war two, I mean, look at Hitler's putting, we didn't know they were putting people into concentration camps until we liberated, yeah. you know, and went over there. But uh, I mean, I think we had some idea of what like taking over Poland mattered in world war II and what consequences that would have, and, I, you know, and the same with the Japanese. You look at what they did through all the Euro-Pacific, Philippines. I mean, it, it there is are reasons of, to fight.
0: Mm-hmm. It's it's a weird coincidence that both the Japanese and the Germans tried to take over the world at the exact same time. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. By all accounts, there was no uh, coordination between them. But just, just the fact that both countries like rose to like such extreme levels of power and then literally within two years of each other, made their play for world dominance is how often do two, two powers rise like that and then make their, make their big offensive push at the same moment.
1: Yeah. I would say that the industrial, like, Steam powered engine, mechanic stuff. I mean, it kind of set the whole world on a playing field. And if it was you like look, a, it was like
0: a race to World yeah, War yeah, Two. Yeah, yeah,
1: like us in Russia going to space. It's like, oh, I mean, Russia was almost there. It could have been a two year thing. Where look at these two countries, just miraculously both landed on the moon within a couple years of each other. Um, I think Japan. <laughs> I <was just> <laughs> yeah. say, hang on, I'm calling Tyler right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <sighs> oh. Um, well, hang on. So th- I, I do all right. Tinfoil hat time. NASA does say that they've lost the technology. Like, they can't land on the moon today because they lost the technology. Isn't that kind of suspicious?
1: It is suspicious, but I can get it in a certain way as to, like, if you went to PlayStation right now and you're like, make me a Nintendo DS, the original one that came out in 83. And they're like... Well, we know how to do it, but we don't have any of the stuff yeah. to put it
2: together. That's, that's a good so, in a manufacturing
1: it. way, I can I can get that, but yeah. it does seem suspect.
2: I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, make me a make me a '69 Chevelle. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. fucking love. You <laughs> know what I mean? Like,
0: settle down, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Out there with his hammer and bondo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't happening. Chevy can't uh, so. do it anymore. You yeah. know. So, all right, all right. that's fair. Um, all right. <laughs> 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 fucking derailed that conversation. No, nah, you're good. Or JP we? Sledge.
1: Uh, yeah, just talking about war and, yeah, like, people going to it. I feel it, it was it, much uh, more justified during that
0: time period than maybe recent ones or any one post-World War II. It is wild to me, like, the tactics <coughs> and the acceptable sort of losses that were considered, like, yeah, we're just going to take an entire Marine division and put them online and walk forward. Yeah. And we'll we'll kill 5,000 of our own men. And, you know, that's just what it takes to get an island. Like well, that, that was that was the thinking that was coming from the highest level back then. That's that's fucking yeah. wild to me. But me, me as a like like that. You went to war college to come up with that. Yeah, that's, that's the best like our best military minds could come up with.
1: Well, you got to look like the later part of World War Two fighting the Japanese was us getting closer to Japan's home island. Right. So throughout that, like in the Philippines, they had airports and they had Guam and they had places like that. But as we got closer to their homelands, like uh, UO, like Okinawa, these places and stuff, we thought they were what airport bases like the whole Pacific. I mean, this is just one part of it is the island hopping campaign. But if you look at the other part, which is the bombing campaigns, the aerials of General Thomas LeMay I think is who ran all the bombing campaigns of the Pacific. I mean, you look at what we did bombing German factories. It was nothing, man. Like, we killed more people in a night firebombing the island of Japan than the actual nuclear bomb. Just so, I mean... in. These things don't really get brought up in a lot, and everyone's like, "Oh, Germany was a hard say, part." We, we
0: committed a few war crimes, like firebomb oh, Dresden. Oh, yeah, and Tokyo,
1: Tokyo. There was tornadoes of flames yeah. because we changed the heat, like the atmosphere yeah, the that it had. A thermal vortex. Yeah, the, the city changed. Yeah, so just to me, the whole fighting the Japanese was so much more intense, whether it was on the islands or on the in the air. And so you said like that was the thinking back then but yeah that was it it's like we need these islands to refuel our planes or to support troops to keep going and fighting to homeland Japan and no, I, I get it the over. part where
0: they wanted to take the island or deny the Japanese the airfield but and maybe I'm kind of spoiled from like the special operations model of of just the coordinated raid but it seems like they could have come up with better tactics than just putting everybody online and marching up the up the ridge line.
1: yeah what they thought was going to be a 3-day campaign yeah, they told yeah, them in exactly. the very beginning
2: yeah. yeah well they they also talk about how it's not necessarily pelu the island wasn't overly strategically
0: necessary. yeah they, in in hindsight it may have been completely unnecessary yeah yeah that that's kicking that, the nuts Yeah. want to think about oh yeah
2: um but so it, i mean but that i mean Obviously the war was necessary, but I hear you like you and Greg as like I've never been a big like military book um or movie really for that matter. I'll watch it and I'll listen to it and stuff, but mean being, being that I didn't serve, like it's it's hard for me uh to read a book like this and really get into it cuz it's almost like a
0: too much K company 3rd battalion 5th no, Marines. No, no, or, no. No, okay. it's
2: it's it's more of like a oh, fuck I wish I would have. Uh, because
0: it. FOMO you,
2: yeah, yeah it's it's and it's not not even fomo like it like I just feel like um almost like an imposter like you know I the a, the time when I could have gone and served I chose not to or like just didn't end up going I had a dog like I told you guys when I got out of high school with the cancer stuff uh they were like oh you don't have to do you can't join you're probably the disqualified yeah so and i was just like oh well fucking you know that not worried about that now and just but not not to say i would have done it either way yeah. so that that to me is kind of one of those hard things cuz i look at i look at buddies that served I look at you I, you know other guys that served and for me like even just reading books like this is kind of like man you know i fucking i feel shitty having stand on the sideline so i don't feel like i have a spot at the table to really fucking yeah. you know but i also i I don't, like, look at it like, oh, you pieces of shit. I couldn't believe you did that. It's like, no, I fucking, I thank you for it, you know, and the service. But, so, when I read a book like this, it's kind of like, well, it's crazy what people did. Yeah. And I feel like I could have been in this kind of a mix and never did. Obviously, not in 2008, 2009 when I would have been able to do it. But right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, had, had we been born
0: of that era. <laughs> then we would have been yeah. somewhere in you know somewhere in the army or the marine corps or the navy or some sort of service right cuz yeah. almost yeah. every able bodied man was yeah yeah at that point and then or there was
2: the draft thing which is hilarious this book, the little bits of like honesty in this book where the guys are kind of like talking shit yeah. to each other yeah yeah, so yeah that's the best you know yeah. and like <laughs> the the enlisted guys versus the ones who were uh Drafted. What, what they call it a voluntary
0: Oh, volunteers versus uh, draftees. Yeah, yeah. But, they,
2: but what they called the uh, th- there was a, there was a thing they said in there about like the guys that got drafted were basically like,
0: oh, I can't. I, I know volunteer. exactly. about. it was talking just about. a little fucking bullshit. Yeah. They
2: would talk back and forth, you know, and they're like, "Oh well, you got what you wanted. You
0: fucking signed up. <laughs> signed
2: up for this. Up for this. Book, yeah. Like, yeah. 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 You know, like I, I imagine <laughs> the amount of shit talking was
0: at an all time high on yeah. Peleliu. <laughs> Well, it's, well, and I want to back up because you mentioned like that sort of FOMO of not having served in the military. And I think a lot of guys our age feel that way. Um, And so even my my oldest son, he's 11, and he's talking to me about, he's like, man, I just feel like I don't do enough tough. Like, he's like, I can't play football because he has a a condition where his blood doesn't clot as easily. So impact sports are out. Mm -hmm. Um, So he's like, I can't play football or hockey, so I can't play a tough guy sport. And so he kind of has that FOMO of not being like a tough guy. And one of the things I've really realized the last two years here, two and a half years training at Electric North, is that there's a lot of ways to develop a warrior spirit. And think of all the warrior cultures that never served in a Western style military. So everybody who thinks that they're somehow missing out on that like warrior experience because they didn't enlist in the army for four years. I don't think that's, that's accurate at all. There's a lot of ways to find and pursue that just, just through martial arts, especially like the ones where you can go hard. uh, I guess you can go hard in any of them, but if you're, you know, going kickboxing, you can only spar so hard so often where jujitsu, judo wrestling, that that's a hundred percent effort. And so you can give, you can really let it all out on the mat and you might get beat up or you might win, but it's that struggle and, Loss and struggle, win, struggle, loss. That yeah. that develops that warrior spirit. So I I don't, I don't think people. I know everybody's still going to wish they had some of that experience, but it's it's not the only way to develop that that warrior spirit. I've thought about that same thing too. Like, man, I, I,
1: maybe I could have been more. I could have been better serve or something like that. But then. Most most people uh,
0: who get out of the army are bitter alcoholics. Yeah, so it's like, it, be all you yeah, can be. Yeah, so like, it's like I, I do I think know you're doing pretty good. Goes you back.
1: nailed it there, where it's like a lot of people there like this is a joke and stuff like that. But I know a lot of people where I've seen their lives turn around, and it was a tri- tipping point where they could decide to go down one path or another. And so military's been good. But then also, like, look at this book. These guys weren't going there because they wanted to kill Japanese. Like, they weren't like, I'm blood-hungry, blood-lust. Like, I'm doing this because my country's at war, and I'm doing it to protect my family. You know, in a way, it's based off of love. It's like, I love you guys. I want to protect you. I love my wife. I want to protect her. That's a great point. You know, and so all of them doing this is kind of just based off of, And that's why it's it's you know you could have done more. You say that stuff, but it's like no, these were all just normal people like that us that love their people around them and want to take care of them. And then you look at the stats of pellet like K Company and First Marines. It was like sixty-five, almost seventy percent casualty. I think he says at the end of
0: the book of the original two hundred forty that hit Peleliu. By the time they were done with Okinawa, there was twenty-six left. Yeah,
1: right. And it's like, so those guys aren't out there for bloodlust and stuff like that. And they didn't, you know, they didn't ask to be put in a situation. They just went there thinking they're protecting their country and the ones that they love and defending what they think is right. You know, and so to me, it's just like, they didn't ask for it. No one asked for it. They're just doing a job. These guys, unfortunately, got stuck in what I think they, what it, he quoted at the best saying, a bottle with two scorpions trapped in it. Yeah. And that's what this yeah. fight ended up being. No one asked for it. It just, it's just how life plays out. It's one of those things.
2: Yeah, One was going to be destroyed and the other was almost going to be destroyed. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, and looking at the the pictures in the book, like I'm glad I ended up getting the book as well. Um, it's it's crazy, like thinking that that guy, just I know, fought he, he
0: just looks like a normal, just a like, normal, you know, 22 year old, yeah, white kid. belt
2: kid, you yeah. know, but he's a fucking savage, yeah, that just went through hell, you know. Yeah, um, I was
0: also, I mean, the the descriptions of the mud on Okinawa, those ones really like hit home, like because I I I was an infantryman, but never. In, like, heavy, like, extended, I think Okinawa, they said it was 82 days of solid so, combat. Yeah, like, like to fight a campaign like that would be so exhausting. And I, I can remember just three-day patrols in the Hindu Kush that were, yeah. I, I can't imma- imagine just being in sustained contact well, 80, 82 days in the mud with no no chance to take your boots off, just sort yeah. of slowly degrading. It's yeah. it's like human, it's like decay while you're still alive, almost.
2: Oh yeah, well, like just what he was talking about when he's when he's walking through, um, and he can't take his boots off, and he felt like it was all squishy and slimy, and. All that I was like man i I fucking freak out after twenty four hours hunting without taking taking my your boots your off. stuff like, off <laughs> you know and I'm like, God damn, these yeah. socks are rough, yeah. you know, yeah. could you imagine the fuck what did he say it was like like three weeks or something he couldn't take his boots off for or something yeah. like that, and, and, and then, then when like, he, yeah when
0: he did all his skin just came off with yeah, the just kind of
2: sloughing off Oof. it was like,
0: yeah, like some tough motherfuckers but also by necessity because then you you forced to. there's no other option like ranger school that's that's that is what ranger school tries to replicate in the best way it can is it's it's 60 days of continuous you know you're up on you know on your feet moving with a rucksack all your equipment on to to hit that day's objective then into a night defensive perimeter where only half the uh, patrol sleeps then up and moving again so you're always kind of on the go 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 carrying all your heavy shit but they obviously can't replicate the stress of like the mortar attacks or the artillery or whatever. So they use like starvation and sleep deprivation to get you as stressed out as possible. Yeah. And it's just physically fucking like, you like I lost 25 pounds and I, at the time I was probably 170 when I went there. So I, I came out of there weighing like 158 pounds, Jesus. just skin and bone. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's just training. That's not even, yeah. I, I can't even imagine under these conditions. Well, I couldn't
1: imagine, like you guys are saying, like it's just it. the battlefield in these battles particularly were filth. If you look at Okinawa, it was bigger. But if you look at Peleliu, I think the map said it was what? Two, it's, it was five th- square miles. Yeah. yeah five yeah, square
2: yeah. miles is where, what was it, uh, 3,000 3, plus uh, Marines died and 10,000 oh, oh, Japanese.
1: 10,000, yeah. Uh,
2: so that's, I mean... <laughs>
1: right you know spread Uh, that
0: over five miles figure out the per square foot yeah Uh, yeah that's, that's insane
1: and so it's like not only are you in the filth of it but like that size and everything Everything gets condensed down. It's like you have spent fuel drums, water drums, ammo crates, food crates, ration crates, old food debris. Now you have that many soldiers constantly shitting and pissing in the island. Then you have dead bodies getting killed. And if they're American, eventually they'll get taken off. But Japanese are just going to decompose right
2: there. Yeah, Yeah. no water for nothing. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so it's like you have all this stuff going on. You're extremely fatigued, fighting all the time. Your senses are just shot, you know? And then it's like... Can
0: you imagine that level of adrenal fatigue? Oh, that, yeah. That's, yeah, just a wreck.
1: Uh, well, this Peleliu is where that term came from, the thousand-yard stare. I'm pretty right? sure is okay. that specific. I mean, it was shell shock and all these things. Yeah. But that famous painting of a soldier with his eyes just bloodshot but red that, and that's blown, Peleliu. that's Peleliu. Okay. And so, yeah, it's like to be in that condition, and like you said, just from training and you lost weight. Okay, so imagine you go through all that and it's like try and eat. Try and have a can of peaches. Try and eat oh, yeah, anything and. Yeah, right? They're, you're just in the filthiest of filth. Just basic life was a hard thing to do. Then you have to follow orders, be aggressive, try and move
0: physical. Yeah, to me, it's just it's to, to get up and just slog on day after day after day after day and have, and that is like that's the, the one true, you know, unknown time, unknown distance yeah event because you have no idea like we could be fighting here for months or maybe maybe we'll roll right through them tonight yeah and you have no way of knowing so you just have to keep slogging and slogging and slogging and it is such a mind fuck
1: yeah yeah and it once again i mean the only reason you're slogging is because your opponent is giving you any opportunities i think that when you see like If you look at other Pacific battles like Guadalcanal and stuff and earlier battles in World War II with the Japanese, it's more of where they would do night raids, bonsai stuff like that. They would drop their boats in and try and counter you with flanking. But once they hit Peleliu, I felt that the tactics of World War II Japanese really changed where they focused on tunneling and digging in and making it so they could... You could block you could blow up a tunnel, but that tunnel had five other entrances to it where they could poke in, poke out, and they fortified themselves. Mm-hmm. And that level of combat, I mean, that's Afghanistan yeah. caves. That's just that's Vietnamese
0: in except the Japanese it was engineered defense and depth, which means that each successive line of defenses supports the one in front of yeah yeah they all tied yeah exactly so the i think hitler's defenses were similarly in there like uh, he was too methed out and he never (laughs) ate a steak the stupid vegan uh like i I think the the german defense (laughs) (laughs) i think the german defenses were equally well designed um but like yeah, the Japanese had like the perfect terrain for it with these these sort of coral caves. ridges. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. And that coral, to me, is yeah, another plus. Thing. The, plus
0: the Japanese were the, they they had the ultimate uh, weapon on their side, which is we're not surrendering. Like there is, you have to kill us to the last man. Which yeah. the Wehrmacht would surrender when they <clears throat> realized they were beaten. But oh you, yeah, the Japanese were like a tiger. You've got backed into a corner. Yeah, and that's like you got you got now we're fighting. Yeah, you, to, to the end.
1: That's yeah. something I think about a lot, too, is, like, the foe you're fighting. Like, the Nazis were one thing, but like you said, th- no Japanese is going to surrender. I mean, I think part of the reason we did drop the A-bomb on... Japan is because we thought we were going to have to invade their homeland and oh, it, kill it was, every man, woman, and child. It yeah. would have been a genocide yeah. of the entire place, so we had to send a strong signal. And to create a type of person or a community like that, like, how do you get there? Like, how do oh, you the, invent— The
0: Japanese empire is fascinating. Yeah. And the, how they— what, they, they believed that the emperor was, you know, the the direct descendant of God and that they were the chosen, like, go figure. Most religions believe they are the chosen people yeah. and the Japanese were no different. So they thought they were a special people and destined to rule. They fucking were. Rule. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. Yeah. though I mean, You think it's strong enough and it, it, it Yeah, if you think about it, don't think of them as enemies, but say, go to like the 1920s and just admire their society. Yeah. It's, it's pretty amazing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's uh, that's one
2: place. I, I'm not a big traveler, but that's one place I would love to go is Japan. Same. And, same, and go check it same. out and actually see like also like before I forget that, you know, thank God you Google Earth, right? Like I, I <laughs> went and took a tour of Peleliu. You know. Jordan's like, holy fuck, this is in the Pacific Ocean. Yeah. Did you guys know that? Did you guys, did you guys understand? I thought it was off of Jersey. Yeah, this, this is just, a, this is just above Australia. Oh, uh, just so you guys know, just a little north of Australia here oh, that this book took place. Oh. Um, no, but that's like looking at it. It's like this, this fucking, it's a small island. That all these people fucking did it, but when you go and look on Google Earth and look through like the images and shit, you can still see fucking planes all fucked up yeah. in the jungle yeah. and yeah. shit. Still shit still out there. Like and then yeah. there's like you know little memorials and all that everywhere and graves. Right. And then um, uh, there's a a museum there. Yeah. that has, like, all the, some artifacts that they found and, like, dug up and, like, all this other shit that from the fucking wars. And it's, like, old guns. and Yeah. Then the craziest thing that really kind of stood out to me was a canteen with fucking bullet holes in it. And it was just, like, Ooh, that's just, like just, like, just, like, the one like you got a you got a fucking canteen and like even that's getting fucking blown to bits yeah. yeah like everything you had like that kind of war is just so fucking any war really i imagine you know i've never been but that it just it's so fucking intense well i think so, that
1: there's different types i mean if you look at like world war 1 trench warfare and compare it to like our first invasion of iraq I mean, those are technically we're both at. Well, I guess one wasn't an act of Congress, but and the other one was. But I mean, technically, we're both at war here in this just for sake. And uh, but the tactics are so
0: completely different in what you're doing there. Yeah. I And, you know, going back to my criticism of tactics, I think that a there are historians who would agree that. World War I and World War II are kind of the same conflict. Yeah, it's just a carryover it's an exactly. extension. Yeah. And it was those, so those two wars are extended conflict, however you want to look at it, was the first time that the industrial age met, like, cavalry tactics. So it was like old, old school military minds were still thinking about getting their horses online all abreast and then charging into the enemy ranks, whereas the Industrial Revolution had happened, and now we had, like, field art, like, Field artillery that wasn't a smooth-bore cannon drawn by a horse—it was a like a self-propelled howitzer. Or it was on a trailer, and you know, sixty-millimeter mortars that three troops could carry. And so you're you're raining down all this heavy ordnance on old-school formations, and that's what led to so much like just wholesale slaughter. I i and, and, and then that started to evolve. Through Korea and even in Vietnam, they were still teaching infantrymen to just sort of stand up on line and walk abreast yeah. of each other forward toward the enemy, which is which like is fucking, fucking wild, it's fucking insane. <laughs> yeah. That is it's absolutely
2: <laughs> bullshit. And yeah. I thought, I thought, dude, I thought we fucking learned in yeah. the fucking seventeen hundreds. Yeah, you know what I mean. I mean, d- spoiler alert: one of the next <laughs> books we're doing is uh, uh, "War on the Run." Yeah, and. In that, they talk about the tactics that they had. Those guys had, like, badass tactics. I was just going
1: to say yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly they fought, they that. I start, fought. I'm three chapters in, and I'm starting oh, to Oh, you guys like, already started it? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm going to start reading it again. Awesome. Um, yeah, so, but that that is, uh,
2: you know, but they're coming off of, oh, we all stand in line, and we fucking march towards each other. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then they get here, and they're like, what the fuck? Like... Well, what Adapt. is that?
1: That's got to be from old, like, just basic, like, centurion Romans. Like, you have your formation yeah. of archers and you know, liners. The and, the, and le- uh, yeah. you know,
0: the, the overlapping shields protecting yeah, each other. The, and the, the mm-hmm. Yeah, and then cavalry rides. And then and cavalry all. could break the phalanx, I think, with yeah. the big horses. And then cannons were what, dist- cannons of musketry are what destroyed the cavalry. Yeah. But it was like offensive tactics never evolved past horse cavalry. Just everybody get online and start to assault forward. And then I guess in World War II in Europe, they did start to figure out the coordination of infantry and tanks and air cover, like the invention of the the shortwave radio so that you could have the handset and be coordinating with uh, aircraft and with tanks to support each other. But it was still just everybody online move forward. Well, that's a big thing in this
1: book. Was uh, they always said it was like a dog with its fleas, a tank and its rifle, man, yeah, yeah. and that using radios and calling in uh, aerial strikes and planes and just being able to communicate, yeah, was key. Just I
0: mean, yeah, the, those ridges were horrible. The the other thing that like crossed my mind as I was reading it is, it it's like the military used then and still does today a uh, it's, it's like an industrial model of leadership where you have management and labor. Like mm-hmm. I work for a construction contractor on the labor side and you have the management side, which is all the sort of the white collar, like accounting, engineering, design, uh, project engineers, project uh, managers, whatnot. And then you have us, the electricians who are on the labor side. And the military is kind of the same way where you have enlisted and officers. And it is it, it strikes me today in the civilian workforce and I was thinking about it reading the book, like how disconnected the officers, even in the CP out in the field with the troops are from the actual front line and just completely ununderstanding mm. of what their troops are going through just because they're huddled a hundred yards back under a poncho. Yeah. yeah. And we run across like, dude, we see it all the time at work. Um, yeah. it's It's, it's, there's gotta be, or I shouldn't say there's gotta be a better way. I think, I think the military really needs to get back to, If you want to be an officer, you have to be enlisted first. And I don't think a college education qualifies you to to lead troops in combat. Fuck no, it doesn't. It's it's the dumbest fucking idea ever. You you should have to have at least four years enlisted experience before you can even apply to be an officer. Um but that that struck me while I was reading the book. Just he's got a couple officers he likes and that he was like there was the one that when he died, like the whole company kind of like Mourned it. Haldane exactly. Yeah. And then there was the other one that he's that he's like everybody just kind of shakes their head at him and Yeah. What is this guy doing here?
1: The first guy that gets hit, I'm gonna pull out my Colt forty five <laughs> yeah. sidearm and charge the line, he would yeah.
0: always say. Yeah. yeah, watch me go red. Fuck. And then it, it it like at the end of the book, I was like, Son of a bitch, this is the military. Where it's like they finish the assault across the island, yeah. <laughs> dog ass <laughs> tired, and they're like, All right, turn around, go pick up the brass. Yeah. yeah. yeah Are yeah, you fucking yeah, kidding yeah, me? Yeah. Like, <laughs> dude i would i would have revolted <laughs> yeah
2: well that's that's like the the whole point of of i i was going to bring that up too cuz that's that's so fucked you know you just get done fighting one of the worst battles you know the us has ever seen and yeah go go pick that up or the or, or the point where they're they're talking about okay we got done we're kind of chilling we're going to go take our lunch and we're going to go walk over and we found this cool nice mellow yeah. ravine yeah. and then they were like some officer walks up to them, and it's like, "You know, all right, boys move out, and they were like, "Oh shit, are we marching again?" and like and they were like, "No, you just can't be back here. This is too nice for you kind of thing and then they look over, and there's some officers getting ready to have their lunch, and they're like, "What the fuck? yeah you know, like so you, you can't
0: be here with the uh, with the higher class
2: yeah. folks, but I mean that you that's a good point. you pointed out about work, you know because that's how it feels a lot of the oh, time dude. it's like you you look over and it's like Oh, the the whole office staff's going out to lunch. It looks like, huh? All yeah, right. Well, yeah. Um, I guess I'm gonna wash my hands in this fucking honey bucket real quick and <laughs> yeah. go eat. Yeah. You know. Dude,
0: and the place where I work, like the customer we serve, I'm not allowed to go to the cafeteria. I'm not allowed to buy coffee at the Starbucks stand. What else? Am I uh, not allowed to ride the shuttle bus? Uh, not can't. allowed to talk. Yeah. To them. Yeah. You peasant! I'm, you yeah, shut your I mouth know. when you're working. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fucking it's wild, but it's it's funny because that is that's. But the only and the reason why is because I'm I'm an electrician. Yeah. 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 You're a construction construction worker. worker. Not not allowed to use <laughs> the the, oh, ju- that's the job what it is. site. We're not allowed to use the bathrooms. We have to use porta potties on the loading dock. Yeah. The the job site <laughs> the
2: job site I'm on, they wanted us to walk around the job site until like so instead of through the the campus that I'm on, they wanted us to walk we park, walk around and then back so, yeah. into the job site. We don't we don't so, want
0: you, so you're never on their
2: property. So yeah, so just don't we don't wanna see you guys. Jesus. We we don't want to see you. Guys. Yeah. And it was like what the fuck? So yeah, I mean it's it's it I guess it you know we're getting,
0: yeah, we're getting off topic. Yeah, sorry. But, uh, yeah, no, but no, no, you are, good. but
1: you aren't, because that that's the nature of the beast. Like, there has to be different levels and tiers of people. Like, you read a few war books, and especially this one, I find themselves, every time they'd go back in and they felt like it was fruitless. What they were doing didn't matter, and they would just get killed, or their friends would. They constantly call it the meat grinder. And that's what it was. It was just chewing up these people and spitting them out and they would request more people and they would come in and it would chew them in and spit them out. Whereas things like tanks, you know, they'd be like, well, it's operated for 30 hours. It needs to go in for maintenance. But you person, you rifle man, you grunt, you lower class, you fucking peasant that's talking or trying to come to Starbucks, you shut your mouth and you go back in. Yeah. And it's like, well, one way I do get that, because it's like, well, to get this done, I mean, what are we doing? What, that's what Russia does. Russia just throws bodies and numbers at it till they win. That's why they would have one machine gun for five guys, yeah. because the first guy gets shot. All right, fourth guy, pick that up, run that hillside and keep shooting. Fourth guy gets shot, third guy picks it up. You know, and so can the system work any other way? You have to have people up top yelling, keep throwing these numbers at them. You know, but it is it is an effective way, but it's like for those people living it and being it, you know, every war book I've ever read, the people always end up asking at the end, what was the fucking point of that? What was the purpose? Why were we chewed up and used?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it shows you sort of the, the, the disdain that the, political elite have for just the citizenry yeah just it's just livestock right yeah. Send send them to get chewed up on an island somewhere send them wherever doesn't matter because they're they're just peasants there there is a, a point in
2: the book where that officer uh i can't remember his name but actually like shows them hey this is what the
0: plan is that that was that was another one that really struck me because the idea of being a private and fighting through these campaigns, but never understanding the plan, never really knowing where you are on a map, never knowing which way you're going next and just sort of like existing day in day out would be fucking miserable. Mm -hmm. And that, that was another thing about, you know, being in the ranger battalion is that your leaders are top notch. That's what, that's, that's what the whole system is built on is, is fostering good leadership. And so, as a private there, in, anytime you're in some sort of security halt or paused on an operation, your your team leader is right there, sort of explaining everything that's going on to you. Cause they they take, you know, the idea is you're training your replacement. Next man up. If I get hit, he's in charge. So I've got to make sure that he knows my job as well. And so the idea of all these infantrymen just being out on the line with no clue. Yeah. Just hoping that an officer or uh, a NCO will tell him what to do. Well,
1: and you got to think, too, as you get later on into these campaigns like Peleliu and so on, like fighting the Japanese was always tough, but it got more ferocious and ferocious. I think in Eugene's company, out of seven officers, three made it back. Mm -hmm. So it's like if you're like with the Rangers, you want the best of the best. Well, that takes time. That takes vetting. That takes all kinds of things. But if your officers are constantly getting killed and you're trying to fill them in all the time, your leadership is going to be for shit you're going to start to have holes in your in your warriors into your group into your battalion into everything because
0: those strong leaders start getting taken out. He does mention in there like the diminishing quality of replacements. Yes, not necessarily because they were like lesser quality people, but because they were being rushed through training mm-hmm. stateside. Yeah, and just pumped out to get them into the battle. Yeah, they I didn't. He they said just something about two any. weeks. One had yeah. Training two, for two. Yeah, weeks. yeah, yeah. He's like, "All right,
2: have at it." Yeah. You know,
1: holding his gun backwards, he's like, "Let's <laughs> take this hill." <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, at that point, you're just turning out cannon fodder, you know. Yeah, okay. but
1: once again, that's it. That There's the, the, the machine, you know, the meat grinder. The, the army just has to keep turning them out. We just need p- bodies.
0: We're not going to win this war without bodies. We need bodies. Yeah, I think my granddad was, I know he was in the Navy in World War II, and I, he, he told me that he was what they called, I think it was 90-day wonder, where they put them through OCS plus their job schooling in 90 days just to get them to fuck. So he's like, I joined the Navy as soon as I graduated uh, college, was given a commission, and in within 90 days, I was on a destroyer as an engineering officer. <laughs> Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Just just got to get bodies out into the field. It's yeah. crazy.
1: Yeah. But yeah. well, that's what it was taken. I mean – it seemed like when we were really engaging with Japan, uh, Europe was on the decline. I mean, the not or not the Nazis. The Germans beat the Nazis for us, it seemed like. You know, they... Um, um. Yeah. Wait, what? It, I mean, how many Germans died? Or Germans, excuse me. Russians, Russians, oh, Russians, okay. Russians. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah, hey, I believe yeah, yeah, that no, was no, 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 one and no, no, the same. Yeah, yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> so wrong Europeans. Uh, yeah, the Russians. Same shit. They all same, look the same yeah, to right?
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God.
1: But, like, uh, yeah, the Russians... Mainly won World War Two almost yes you know we need it was kind of like World War One where we went in in the last minute to help fight it same thing happened with World War Two on European front don't get me wrong it was still hard and took a lot of uh, body and power and
0: lives but the whole Japan part was just intense from the get go yeah so we were fighting on two fronts and had the Russians not been beating on the back door of Germany, the Allies never would have made it in Europe. And if, I mean, the way I
1: always, you like, as a kid, they're like, yeah, we, we fought World War II, and we beat the Germans, and we beat the Japanese, and it's kind of like, yeah, but not really. That's part we, we of it. We beat the
0: Japanese, that's true. Because yeah. no one else fought them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also crazy to me, looking at the maps, how close the Japanese got to Australia. They oh, they, there were subs there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, just a with, like, like... Google like, uh, Earth. Infantry. <laughs> 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 Did you guys know Australia's in the Pacific Ocean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fucking crazy. There's what? sharks, it just
1: sharks everywhere. There. It's not by Jersey? No. No? No.
0: Oh. Oh, God damn. All right, I'm calling a pee break. All right. P break. And we are not firing on all cylinders here. What, uh... Ah, we were just talking
1: about an aspect of the book,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and what it was yeah. eludes me. We're moment. yeah, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Obviously, uh, if you guys are into it, this is a great book. So definitely, fucking check it out. Um, and the
0: uh, did we mention the the series of the Pacific yet? Because I feel like no, a lot haven't. of uh, Tom a Hanks lot directed. of that series is. Oh, did we? <laughs>
1: No, no, no! I'm just saying. Like, yeah, he did do the Pacific. That's
0: playtone. Which I, is thought, I thought Jordan is. was making fun of me. No, no, no well, because no, Tom
1: Hanks narrates it. Oh, it says right there in yeah. uh, the audio book. Well, he
0: he, he doesn't he, he, he does an intro intro into it. Um,
2: and it, I was like, oh shit! It's Tom Hanks. It's about to be awesome. <laughs> it's big. So, they're, they're, yeah, yeah. They're, I think they're working
0: on the third installment of that series. It's going to be about the uh, U.S. Army Air Force in over Europe. And those those bomber crews like that yeah. was another gnarly mission. That yeah. So like uh,
2: Band of Brothers, the Pacific, and now they're gonna do yeah yeah. It'll be the fly uh, boys, fly, or fly boys. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Getting your planes, boys. <laughs> that's
0: that's twenty twenty three. You know, I wish, I
1: really wish Quentin Tarantino would make a movie about Pacific World War Two soldiers. Who made Thin Red Line? Was that not him? No, he did Inglorious Bastards, right? Uh, which was good about the Nazi killing. And I even like his artistic take where Hitler dies in that French film house in the fire in the end. I thought that was cool. But I think just there's something so gritty about the guys that return from World War II in the Pacific that I think that that is such a good storyline about guys that were. In the thick of the thick, bonded for life, can kill anyone, can subject themselves to the most intense situations, and coming back to the United States. You know, because it's like you look at most of these World War II soldiers that really went through the shit. What did they do? They all come back and start successful businesses or become, like, people that are high up in companies. They've been through the worst of the worst, and that's, I mean, that's where that quote, like, fucking.
0: But they they came back, and that was like, these motherfuckers are heroes. Yeah, the stoicism of that generation was impressive. Yeah. To come home from that and to just sort of. Even the ones who did have PTS, like they just sort of were like, "Fuck it, I gotta." Get I'll on suck it life. up. Yeah. I'll beat
1: my wife once a week after I drink a bottle of Jack Daniels. But I mean, that's what was the baby boomers. <laughs> Hang on a bit. But that's what happened. I mean, but that's beat wh- or bang. Yeah, probably both. <laughs> Depends what you're into, how you do it. But that was the baby boomers. Was all these guys that came back from World War II that were like, "That fucking sucked." I want to be happy. Let's I want a wife. Ass. Have a, yeah. yeah, let's have a family. I want it to be easier. Hard men make good times, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's very apparent from these people. And like I said, I want Quentin Tarantino or someone to do a movie about a bunch of badasses that come back from Japan and i don't know mercenaries in the u.s or fuck it you vigilantes. know yeah same. vigilantes for justice because that's Hang what on, i
0: feel like there were a bunch of 80s movies about that but
1: yes because what were hell's angels they were guys that yeah. came back from vietnam yeah. that were extremely efficient that had close ties and could do anything and it's like where's the world war ii version of that i feel yeah. like there's like a Dirty Dozen—that's never been done. There, oh, about. so
0: there was there was a town in—I can't remember if it's Missouri or Mississippi—where they got unhappy with the local, like the mayor's office and the judiciary, and they actually uh, they had a shootout with them. A bunch of World War Two vets. God dang it! It just flashed across. Uh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'll, I'll have to. I'll have to try to find it. Yeah, look that up. Something. Yeah, that'd, that'd be, be a fun right. one to follow yeah. up on.
2: Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point that'd be fucking killer to see uh uh, a actual movie you know yeah based on that yeah huh i'm trying man i really wish i could remember off the top of my head what are you looking for a section of the book jordan are you trying no we were we were talking uh we you know we hit you know (laughs) unrecord and And we keep uh, talking and, and kept talking a little bit and then i we brought something. What on.
1: were we talking about before? Like the officers, the structure, what it's like to fight
0: for them, the meat grinder, getting used up. Oh, replacements coming in with less training.
1: Yeah, that less training. I feel like we're
0: nipping at the heels. Yeah, we are pretty fucking close to that. Something like that. So the, all right. Well, then the other thing that struck me about this book is the way they all just sort of it's like the battle was over. You he'd gone through these two just gnarly campaigns. And then it's like his unit went to China for a few weeks and then just home and out of the Army or out of the Marine Corps. Yeah. And that, I think it sounds like all happened within the space of like three, four months from the end of Okinawa to. Yeah. He's he's standing back home And uh, Is it Missouri is from or? Uh, Mobile, Alabama. Alabama. Mobile. 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 Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. Uh, no, that, I think that's got to be another just mindfuck to. Go from that intense of an experience to pretty quickly just back home to like yeah. everything, you know,
2: hanging out with your buddies. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. Well, I
0: mean how, was, how was your time in the service? Yeah, no shit. Like, I, I, think, I, was, think I, I think that's a pancake.
1: So there's another he wrote a second book called The China Marine, which isn't anything like this. It's it's pretty mellow. But I, he starts to really get into being out of conflict and starting to deal with emotions. Mm. Oh, really? And uh, his dad was a internal medicine doctor, and he actually specialized in treating World War I patients for PTSD. And wow. it kind of starts to get into that and what he went through and just – but, yeah, the, I mean – that why, was his why job. Do you was. do think
2: they changed the name of it? Because it was like Battle Fatigue, then it was Shell Shock. Battle and, Fatigue. Oh, yeah, it was, was Shell Shock, yeah, yeah, Battle yeah. Fatigue. And now it's like it's gone all the way down. To like, let's just put letters on it and, like, walk away.
1: Well, just like anything, I think there's cl- classifications or, like, everything – things can be more dramatic than other things. Like, it's a scalable event, you know? And I think he even talked about it, you know? He's like – Eugene said for him, it wasn't what you witnessed. It's the duration that you had to constantly witness that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so if you get shelled for an hour, you're probably like, that was fucking horrible. But if you get shelled for four days in one spot, the (laughs) the psychological damage that happens. So I think, you know. Shell shock was from the shelling in World War I uh, in the trenches and people having to
0: stand there for days and deal with it. Yeah, I, th- deal I think with the it. living conditions, honestly, are as much a part of it. I think that if you took the same artillery shelling in 75-degree weather in a dry – like, you would still have – A little like the shell shock, but I think the the trauma also comes from just the miserable living conditions in the mud with dead enemy soldiers, dead Marines all around. They said, like, if you fell down in the mud, when you stood back up, your jacket would be crawling with maggots because there were so many dead and decaying bodies everywhere. And, you know, just that always cold, always wet, always stuck in the mud, never able to stick your head over the top of your foxhole for fear of having it, you know, taken off by shrapnel and just that sort of continuing just... It's just a beatdown on every level, from yeah. from physical to to psychological, and I I think it's that combined. It's it's such a just a it's like a double whammy of woe, yeah. and I think that's really what what. And World War One was the same thing, right? Because the trenches yeah. were just a slog where, like, dead bodies were sort of buried in the muck at the bottom of the trench, and there was no chance to bail it out. And so, just the like the grisliness is is the kind of mind blowing. Yeah. I've gone to. Like
2: national training camps, and I've done, you know, okay, we're gonna we're gonna work this move, and we do it for four fucking hours straight, and it's just like, okay, this blast double, we're doing this this certain technique, and we just do it and do it and do it for fucking, no joke, four hours that day, the next day, four hours the next day, on top of all the other bull different shit we're doing throughout our twelve hour fucking um, practice, and I'd wake up in the middle of the night shooting doubles oh shit i'd like i'd i'd, I'd wake up <laughs> and i my hands would lurch forward and i'd be try i'd be doing the technique because yeah. we'd done it so much that day yeah. that like the pathways were being like well like so i'd just jerk myself awake and my hands are coming forward i'm like wrapping legs um and that was like that was something that was happening i couldn't imagine what it would be like for four fucking days being shot at, putting your head down, like the effect that would have when you come home. And that's just like me having, doing a fucking sport. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that would be significant. Having, right. having something like that happen where like just your movements, your man, like, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced similar things. Um, but where, where, you know, it's just, now it's built into you. Yeah. And you, you cannot, you oh, can't. It's,
0: it's a reaction. It's no longer a conscious thought. It's just, it it's, is Yes, yeah, it it's yeah. part of your unconscious, yeah. like, nervous system.
2: Hey, yeah, I had, a, I had a, another coach who said he'd, he'd just, like, started thinking about boxing. He was a professional,
0: or got offered a professional
2: boxing fight and ended up turning it down, I think. But um, he was doing so much boxing that he would just, like, think about a jab and his arm would twitch.
0: Yeah.
2: And it was just like, oh, oh. That's, like, that's
0: what all training is, too, whether it's boxing or you know, infantry training, you have what's called battle drills Mm -hmm. where it's specific common situations like react to ambush or squad attack. And you just drill them over and over and over again until the idea is that nobody has to talk or think you just do so that you, you make contact, everybody hits the dirt and just immediately everybody's swinging into action so that there's no pause. And that's, that's any kind of, you know what I mean? Like, that, that's sports training. That's military training. It's, it's you're trying to build neural pathways so that it's like a if-then situation. If condition A, reaction B. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and Yeah.
1: I think Jordan had an interesting thing, too, saying, like, he trained really hard, and he'd wake up, and his body was doing that thing at night. I mean, like, so take that into this book. You're doing – you're fighting all day. And then say you get to go to sleep at night, and it's like, well – I get to shut off my mind and be quiet and try and let things calm and settle. And a big thing for the Japanese were night raids. And so that time that you're trying to decompress from the day and get your head right. And More get,
0: terrifying than the artillery problem. Right.
1: And so now you have people coming in the middle of the night and doing raids jumping into foxholes, killing people with the bonsai with fucking swords. swords swords Yeah. yeah. The famous bonsai charge. And I think you have to really put a lot into what the psychological effect of the Japanese fighting this war was because we say, or you look at how long sludge was on that. And he says it was 30 days. It's like, well, okay, well, most of us think I'm going to go work for 30 days. Well, that's, You know, eight hour shifts. This is 24 hours for 30 days. What that has to do to you psychologically, physically and emotionally is just, I mean, once again, hard men create good times. And so you have to look at what these people went through, how they were able to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think they barely
2: kept it together. They'll all admit it. Well, 720 hours would be 30 days. Of a eight, you know, that's how many hours that is, right? Yeah. So if you turn that into eight hour work shift. Yeah. That's fucking, that's a half year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah, You know what I mean? Like that's, that's. Yeah. That's incredible. And those guys are fucking doing it in 30 days, getting after it. And like, yeah, to what you said, like the Japanese doing their night raids and like there's, there's multiple accounts in the book where they talk about all of a sudden they hear the skirmishes and all this other shit and like, you know. I mean, there's kind of funny, small, funny, somewhat yeah. accounts of things that happen. I don't want to wreck it for any of you guys that are gonna read it. Hopefully, you guys do. Um, but yeah, there's 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 just that and being on edge, ready to kill. Yeah. And but you have to also technology. You didn't have flashlights like we have today, where you could fucking pop on a flashlight. Nor did you want to, because you're gonna give away position Hit with and a all this other sniper, stuff. But, yeah. But you're you're able to. You know, you hear some crazy shit going on. Going, oh, my buddies are getting killed
0: right now by a Japanese soldier.
2: Yeah, with a fucking yeah, that's sword. Right. They would hear
0: like wrestling in the next foxhole over and be like, oh shit, they're tussling with a Japanese infiltrator. Yeah, and they don't want to shoot because no. they can't. They don't know who they're shooting. Yeah, and at the same time, you're, yeah, you're listening to your buddy like fucking fight for his grapple for his yeah, life with gruddle. a fucking bayonet yeah. yeah. or a,
2: a k-bar. Yeah. Well and that's what they were also talking about how much like in there's a part in the book where the the guy uh at their basic training in the beginning of the book says you or your buddy will have killed somebody with this k bar. Yeah by the end of this war. Right. And they're like, yeah, he was right. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone yeah. did. You Jesus. know, so it's like that, that was like the, the, what they say, the Marines companion or. That K bar was everything.
0: Yeah. yeah. Those are good. That's actually the survival knife. I keep yeah. in my like frame backpack is a, it's a good old standard issue. K bar. Also get some, uh, gold. Some yeah. what? Some get gold. Get some gold. Do some dentistry. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Feel Finish, nervous yeah. Thing. yeah. Fuck yeah. That, that's the,
2: the brutality that, you know, and and they—it's kind of funny because there's a there's a my chemical romance song that teenagers scare the shit out of me or whatever. <laughs> like, no shit, these were 19 year old kids going in and fucking yeah. just
0: let loose. Yeah, some of these, these some people. of these kids were 17. Actually, oh yeah, they were like 15, 16 year olds lying about their age, age to join the army and the Marine Corps.
1: Here's something I think about, especially about that age thing, because it's like, okay, so. You saw you Jordan Jordan and Tobin both have copies of the book and with the book in him it has a picture of Eugene Sledge. And Eugene Sledge looks like he's been eating nothing but nutri grain bars his whole life. That's about it. He yeah. looks very gangly and small and tiny. He, he looks like any twenty year old
2: college sophomore. He yeah, he yes. looks like a bunch of my buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And so it's like okay so you think like I was saying like not only is it the days of fighting it's the nights of fighting uh it's a psychological war and I wonder if they could have done it with any other age group because with that I mean you're when you're when I was you're still impressionable You're so impressionable, but you have so much energy. If you had a bunch of 42-year-olds and you're like, stay up for six days and nights, you know, (laughs) like we're all getting ambushed (laughs) on the third night. We're all asleep. third night. Fuck, we're all asleep at 7 (laughs) p.m. You know, so it makes me think like that to do those types of wars – Unfortunately it has to be the youngest of our generation that could all be
0: forty or plus year olds and we could all agree that sleep hours are from like eight <laughs> yeah. to eight. No, shooting between. <laughs> yeah, no shooting between <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> eight we gotta <laughs> <this laughs> got get some well needed shut eye
2: boys. a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that's kind of the, the thing though, right? Like I, I think I don't think you could fight a war without youth like that. There's yeah. no, there's no way. Yeah, there's no. just absolutely no, the no way. the resilience. Well, you're not, you're not going to be able to take the training. Yeah. Right?
0: And, and I, oh, I don't,
2: you. I don't mean that like you're, you, I couldn't, you couldn't, uh, any of us no, couldn't no, no. go We, get we the had training. a
0: 33 year old in my ranger school class and we were all like, holy shit, he's so old. Yeah. And it broke, it literally broke him. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he made it all the way to, I felt bad because he literally like broke his leg walking. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, God, he was so close. So close.
1: But see, that's why I like this. Like reading these stories makes me think of war more. Like the not like the whole scope of war. Why is it that an 18-year-old can go fight, but he can't drink? Is that part of it? We need those young, hard bodies to be able to. <laughs> <It's so laughs> yes, gay. you do. Dude, as oh. soon as I said that and I looked at you guys, that was my own fault. I'm sorry, Podcast oh. America. oh but that's what I—I I mean, it makes you think. He's like- licking
2: his lips. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you guys know. Oh shit. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, I, I there there's there's something I think Tobin hit on is it's somewhat impressionable, right?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's there's some, there's something about uh, a kid. Is, <laughs> Those young sweet boys. Young. What is it about? An impressionable God, mind yeah. and a hard yeah, body.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh man.
2: Good times.
0: Good times we're having here. This is a um, uh, master's class on World War II history for uh, you. Just joining yeah. us. That's how it yep. goes. Sometimes. All facts. All right, but hang on, Mike. You had a good point.
1: Yeah, just, I mean, I've never thought about why youth are used in war until I really read this. I always thought you want young, fit people. But, like, until I really got in the mindset or thought of what it's like to slog through like that and endure what it would take, the type of mind. And I even still kind of debate it because it's like you look at marathon runners – and people that do those Moab 200s or whatever. I, I talked it, to a guy
2: last night who's doing one.
1: Really? Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. But it's like uh, all those people are in their 40s that do those long distance or 50s. And it's like they've been through a divorce. They've had a kid maybe die. They've had family
0: they don't like. they've had, You well, know what I mean? They
1: have strong emotional resilience and they've been yes. through shit.
0: And they're they're looking for something too, you know what I mean? Yeah, like they're trying to do a little bit of healing. So assault.
1: in that same thought experiment, it's like, well, why couldn't you have a bunch of forty-year-olds that are mentally maybe they could do it? Because but they I think question. physically, no, they, physically you can't. I,
0: I think they would
2: break I, well, down. I, I think I think you could. It's fi- recovery time. I think I think a thirty-year-old could get through a war like this and truly barely fight, barely right. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, but
0: yeah, yeah. I think they could do it. No, I, um, I could not. At forty-three years old, I'm telling you right now. I could not run. I the said missions. thirty. Yeah. <laughs> the, the things like the missions we did in the Hindu Kush and Afghanistan, I just physically could not do today. Yeah,
1: I. Uh, so it
0: makes me sad though too, because it's like I mean, and it's, it's of- recovery time is the important factor that when you're 25, you can you can go all day long and then like hit the like you can go lift weights, you can train all day like. Like water in the morning. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, no, at night. do do like a, a five mile run at breakneck pace in the morning, then train all day on a range or on some sort of like stress shoot and then lift weights right before dinner, eat dinner. And then it's like, so you guys want to party tonight or what? Yeah. So, fuck and yeah. You we're, go harder. Yeah. We're yeah. going to close the bars down and then we're going to do it all again tomorrow and not like we'll be hung over for the first two hours and then we'll be fine because yeah. you, you need so little for recovery. Whereas as yeah. you get a little older, recovery time starts to increase and so anytime you do something difficult you have to have like i started really feeling it about age like 36 when i was racing mountain bikes like really like passionately and trying to make a go of becoming like a local level pro and uh i i found that equally important to managing like the physical training was managing the recovery yeah because if you didn't give yourself time to recover as you as i was getting older then you just wear yourself down. like you can work out so much that you wear yourself down. And if you don't give yourself enough, you see, you have to do, it's kind of like a sine wave where you're, it it slowly grows in amplitude as you get into better shape, but you have to manage it so that when you get to an event, you're sort of riding one of the peaks of that sine wave. Mm, And that's, that's, that's the real like exercise science that a lot of these like high level trainers have. It's the reason it's, it's what separates the high level trainers from dude, bro at the gym.
2: Yeah. 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 That's, Good point, um, but I, I I think that beyond the physical, it's the mental, because yeah. you put me in a war like that, I'm gonna be like, what the fuck are we doing? I was smoking briskets at the river. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is this is this is crazy. Like, the yeah. war, like, I, and you need an impressionable, a group of followers, a, gr- a sheep. group of people. Well, yeah. not just cheap, but they're they're gonna, be... but they're gonna be yeah. y- easily they are gonna inspired. Be, yes, they're gonna be inspired. They're gonna have the ad- and they want that, they got the fuck you in them to like go, let's get after it. Oh, yeah. so it's
0: that young male, like, yeah, I, got I just want to fight testosterone. I'll peaked. be straight up, I joined the Ranger Regiment because I wanted to fight. I had no high minded ideals of, of serving God and country. I just wanted to go have yeah. a chance. I wanted adventure and a challenge, and I wanted to fight.
3: Yeah.
1: and, and l- that's Well, in that, in, in looking at this stuff, that makes me really question. Like, reading these books makes me wonder that, that it's like, yeah, you need young men young soldiers young fighters to do this so if you really have tyranny or you have oppression or if you think there's a war you need to fight in you're sacrificing the blood of the young people around you to get what you call freedom it's going to take the blood of those closest around you and at the youngest age and so it really makes me wonder why i admit after reading this book I mean, i it was a while ago, but I mean, if I'm politically homeless, said it before, but I'd have to go libertarian. But you hear these accounts, and then it's like you get into Vietnam, you get into Korea, you get in modern conflicts. You look at other countries like Russia and Afghanistan, and then go to Syria after the Cold War, and it's like, what are we doing here, man? This what you are claiming as freedom. And a good thing or just to establish what you want as your country requires the blood of your children. And I've never thought about
0: that until reading things like this. Yeah. I I wonder if we have an unusual relationship with death in the United States just because of the way we handle it. Like we sort of whisk the body away really quickly and you never see it again until then they, they embalm it to try to make it look like it's alive. Yeah. before, you, Or you never see them again until they're ashes, right? Um, whereas one thing we definitely found in the Middle East is they're more casual about it. Like it's, yeah, they have the funerals where they're wailing and they're sad, but they don't go to as extreme lengths to have safety as we do. Like not even close. No. And so if you look back, like even to the early you know, like turn of the century, like right about, you know, 1900 or whatever. And before you find all these historical pictures where families are just like posing with the the body of like a dead child. It's like uh, a lot of times they'd keep it for like two, three days. Victorian
1: Europe where they do that a lot where they dress it up and they'd pose with it. Yeah. And you could always tell in those pictures who was a dead person and who wasn't? Because yeah. the cameras weren't good enough. Yep. So the live person was always shaking Moving. a little, but the dead person was like you <laughs> know
3: we yeah,
0: weakened at Bernie's, <laughs> <laughs> Bernie's nail. Yeah, yeah. Buddy Jesus. Yeah. yeah. But it's like yeah. <laughs> But a lot of times people had five and six kids because they just expected three to die. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think our relationship with sort of the circle of life and death in modern day I think Western it's culture has has gotten a, like we're pretty out of touch with. We think of it as a timeline, whereas it's more of a it's just a cycle. And we're we we're, we're so desperate to stay on that timeline forever. Just drag it out for three more years. Give me some pills. Give me some uh, chemotherapy. I'll I'll suffer in a cancer ward for the final three years of my life. Where it's like, no nah, man,
2: a successful it, life as longevity as opposed to yeah quality quality, quality yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: I think you're right. I think our relationship of what death is and life is has changed dramatically but over I, the But I past would bet 100. that even in
0: 1945 or 1944 that because those people, like the parents then, of the children who went off to fight would have been survivors of the Great Depression, I, I bet they had a much, and probably were children... Immediately after the Civil well, War. Well, before
1: the Great Depression, yeah. what do you have like the roaring 20s? And what was that? Yeah, we got true. light bulbs Excess. and yeah. champagne. <laughs> you know, that uh, yeah. was the 20s. Not everybody. Then. Like, not a, that was, yeah, yeah
0: that but was, that was the elite. There was a wide discrepancy of, you know, blue collar versus white collar then.
1: But yeah, um, I mean, I mean, it wasn't uncommon for homes not to have regular plumbing, to yeah. have a well, yeah. to have an honey outhouse. Yep. I mean, that's just the 50s into yeah. the 60s. Depending so I, I would where bet you that lived. in
0: 1944, the average parent had a much, more cyclical relationship with life and death than what we do today in two thousand. Without question, without question. I yeah, you'd have to,
1: because I feel also people were more involved. I mean, you look at like just to have. A state like Washington or the area we live in, it's like so many people go to the grocery store to get their meat, get their cheese, get all this, but it's like we're kind of old enough where we're like, oh, we have stories of our grandparents that were like, oh, no, we had a butcher here, and we'd go there for the meat, and we'd go there, and you have a little bit more connection to everything. We'll remove that one generation. Don't go to your grandparents' grandparents. Go to their parents. Well, no, we had chickens. We had a farm. We shat in an outhouse, you know. I mean, everything, I think last time I said the word technology way too much. (laughs) But everything builds off of technologies of the past. And it's like we've just hit this mega point where it's like everything's exploding, you know. And so you get into this super complex area that's happening so fast. Complex Complex for life, for understanding the life, for fighting wars and the tools you can use in these wars. I think World War Two honestly honestly changed the entire world. Oh, of course. Not just because of the wars fought, but because of what was formed after them with CIA, with alliances. It was, with it was all the beginning these... of
0: the military-industrial complex. But I... Well, that. and,
1: and also, that's
2: also, that's yeah. also interesting because there... I... When I look at wars, I look at World War Two being the last one where, like, I feel like the U.S. got behind everybody. Oh, everybody, we're, we're, ha- we
0: didn't know, but we haven't
2: really picked on someone our own size since then. Well, but but still, it's it's one of those things where the U.S. was like all on board. Fuck yeah, America, fly yeah. your the flag. Like we we love you, boys. I mean, in in the book, they talk about how a, a gal sent a. Uh, uh, she kissed one of the oh, yeah. the envelopes and sent oh. it in you know what's what's his the, name in that the, the range card right? range card yeah, yeah She yeah, she yeah. Put yeah lipstick she marks put, on the range yeah card. so it's, but it was like that's the kind of shit that they were doing I'm doing my job it was it was Rosie the Riveter yeah it was yeah. it was those yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody was getting behind it it was a national and, effort yes it was a, and everybody was involved right I feel like the last time we did that as a country nine eleven. Right, everybody had the fucking support the troops, fucking flag, and all right, that. Right, but it Remember didn't really that? change anybody's life. But it didn't change anybody's life. Nobody really did anything out beyond that. It was like hug a firefighter, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you guys are so gay. But but now but now it's like every every war since then, people coming back have kind of like look at Vietnam, like those those guys would come back and have to deal with protesters saying, like, you're burning babies and killing babies. Yep. So, like, that that kind of thing has gotten so much more, like, prevalent. And is that because, like what you said, the industrial complex, uh, or the military complex, blew up after that? So there wasn't any necessarily reason for these wars to happen so i we think no. i have a, reasons you go because i mean i, was say, we, I, I think
0: I, we went and picked a few fights with banana republics for the sake of money laundering so we invaded panama in 1989 that's now one of the biggest offshore banking countries <laughs> in the world and uh there was uh god it must have been like uh, it was probably like around 2010 or 12 somewhere in there they released the panama papers which was one of the first big like journalism like computer hacks or whatever where they got all these documents from the banks in panama that showed how all the like the high level politicians of the world uh, the un countries like the united states great britain blah 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 were laundering all their money through panama through or through banks in panama and then the investigator uh who was helping like he died mysteriously at like age 52 suddenly contracted like stage four cancer and was gone in two weeks or something. Yeah. And it's like everybody who I think all the high level people who had released that paper kind of slowly or not slowly kind of quickly disappeared and, uh, freaking, uh, Oh God dang it. So I was so busy talking about Panama papers. I forgot where I was going with that. Um, industrial. Oh, we invaded. Sorry. We invaded Panama in 1989. And my, my opinion is it was just to set up money laundering there. I mean, look at what's going on in Ukraine right now. We installed, Vladimir Zelensky in 2014, I think like, he's an actor. Yeah. And so they staged a, or the United States staged a coup, put him into office. And then I, I mean, this is pure speculation, but coming from, uh, you know, everything with like the, uh, what's that crypto thing that just went bankrupt FTX. FTX. It, it sounds like a lot of money was being run through FTX through Ukraine and then back to the democratic national party. Yeah. And so it's like, here's here's this giant money laundering. Allegedly. Laundry. Allegedly. <laughs> Allegedly. I'm sorry, Hillary. I, actually, and since the FBI yeah, hey, called me our, last week. Our, our newest I just want to <laughs> say hello. <laughs> our newest fans. Our newest, our newest subscribers. Oh. The FBI and the DHS. Hello, oh, fellas. Oh it's God. great to talk to you guys. Oh, um. my God. <laughs> Wild. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah. We should invite them in sometime. yeah They I could have hope. a chalada yeah yes. <laughs> Sit That's, down in a that might be our official sponsor <laughs> is Chiladas. yeah Chil- Chiladas and the fbi yeah. should be the two uh show sponsors all right no, so hang uh, on no no
2: okay. so
1: i want to hit on what you're saying like because jordan was saying like why is why was there so much more patriotism back then with current wars it yes. seems like thank you and i think when you go <laughs> you're welcome when you go straight from world war ii what immediately happens Right, you get Korea. Indochina Wars and you get Korea,
0: right? And then immediately after Korea, the you, Chinese Communist Party, the Mao uh, y- Zedong.
1: Yep, look at in mean, Chinese Mao- Cultural
0: Revolution, which there are a lot of parallels to what's happening in the United States right now, which is why it's so okay, frustrating. But yeah, try to tell these fucking people that this is a cultural so, war. So yeah. look, and at, it's already been the the game plan kids. has already been laid out. In so
1: look, China at, in the 1950s. So look at what was Germany. Like you said, Germany in World War II was taking over of Germany from World War I. And what you're having is, is you're having inventions, right? And you're having cultural idea inventions as well. You have a working class and you have a thinking class. And you get your Bolsheviks, you get your communists, you get your Marxism, and all you guys are kind of fighting for an idea, and then this war ends where this idea was kind of proliferated between new worlds and old worlds, right? Then World War Two happens— America's like, it's over. We're going back. We're making fucking Buicks and big tittied women. It's going to be awesome. You know, right? So America goes back and we think everything's awesome. And we're going to control the world through the CIA and having networks of listening. But meanwhile, in Europe and Indochina, you having these mergers of technology and philosophy technologies, the Western and the Eastern kind of separated like two different liquids they congealed right Mm -hmm. and then you immediately go to uh korea and what was korea it was fighting communism we're fighting the chinese we were We're, they called the korean war but we were fighting china but they were communists they were starting to take over after mao right and so you go with that doctrine and then you go oh and what does china want well they want Korea, and then they want to keep going down south. And then you have the fight for Vietnam, right? And then so you have Vietnam, which is based off of also North supplied, Korean communists yeah, also and South by China. Korean yeah. Western liberal new wo- world thinking, right? Right. I think that has been a theme that just hasn't been extinguished. And if you keep looking, like yes,
0: I, I think the new world order, one world government, was born of World War II, and they just didn't possess the information technology to make it happen until now. Yeah, and the internet and the proliferation of smartphones and tablets to where you like. I think we've talked about this before. Where information is just available light speed from no. one side of the world to the other. It now now is the chance for anyone who believes in a one world government to really make their push. And that, I think that's what we're experiencing right now. So you have these ideological people of old world of
1: communism, of these old ways of doing things, because that's how it has to be. If you're a fascist, I'm calling you a Nazi fascist pig. Fascism, you believe in old world ideas. You're repressing the new people by holding this old vantage point. Communism, it's all about new. In the old ways, repress people. And the news, the only thing that can help you. That's why Mao created the revolution through colleges and schools and through the youth to turn against their parents.
0: Sound familiar? Well, right? I mean, keep, that's what we were just talking about. Keep going, because well, no, you're on the right track.
1: So... When you when you keep going down this road, right, you're starting to see that I think that this is getting right back to why there is more pride back there, because over these conflicts, constantly, constantly, and you're seeing them fought through these ideal, ideological points that keep getting brought back up and up. That that is why you get libertarians and people like we're we're intervening too much in. De- world policy where we need to focus on ours and then help from there instead of be a police monitoring state i think those old world people fighting for their ideological principles fighting the western ideological principles that happening and us trying to constantly intervene in areas i think that's why there's no military support like there was then because we could get behind something because we saw it as horrible. But now, I think so much of this stuff is meddling. Us getting involved yes. with foreign domestic things. Korea wasn't called a war. It was called, well, I don't know, skirmish or a conflict oh, or right, a police
0: action state. That's how we ended up on Panama in the first place. Is we fought all these little actions. And I think more it was twofold. One, to set, to set up money laundering. A you know, well, war of on drugs didn't states. hurt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and two, it was to raise. It was the rise yeah. of the industrial military military-industrial complex out yeah. that was born out of World War II. Yeah, so that's why they kept. It's easy to keep the public behind you if you just fight these little actions followed by an occupation. Yeah, because the real money comes from logistics. Yeah, so you know Halliburton, uh, Kellogg Brown and Root, like these companies made. I'm assuming billions oh, in the Middle East just, and without taking any like real physical risk. They're just, it's a, it's a no bid contract. It's a win, win. Yeah. You're, you're not going to yeah. lose money on a government contract. No. You can only make money. And so they, the, you know what I mean? Like it was just the, the, the continued occupation is what they don't care if it's violent or nonviolent. They want the continued occupation for the logistical contract.
1: Yeah. And I think that exact reason is why you don't see America like getting behind these
2: because wars are really. real. Yeah. Because there's no real fucking There's no well,
1: objective. And like the, s-
0: the only objective is, is, is to, to make continue money. Continue fighting. Yeah. Well, to yeah. continue hitting.
1: fighting to make money. And if Dogs it was a war, real war, man. instead of these small companies, what did we do in World War II? War bonds. You want your people to believe in it and get behind it. Well, put your fucking money where your mouth is and invest in a war bond. Invest in this country. If you believe in this country, put money in it. We will win this and we will pay you back more money. Yeah. Yeah. There's just, why would you invest, do, would just, you invest then, then you all would get your money, money back. Yeah, into get Afghanistan the money. or Iraq? <laughs> Does that sound like a good financial plan? I,
0: yes, actually. Well, for those guys. Afghanistan's chock full of lithium and yeah. uh, cobalt, I believe, but, which is why the Chinese yeah. immediately signed a contract with the Taliban, what, a week before we withdrew? Sorry, I'm derailing yeah. the conversation. No, but
2: no, no, you're not. I mean, that's exactly the fucking thing. And pretty soon... Well, have another war to get behind. Yeah.
0: Actually, <laughs> in a know, second. I, I, dude, I texted. Because where we're fucking heading. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're, we will have yeah. that fucking, uh, yeah. oh, hey. Just increased action in Syria the other day. I texted Greg the other night, and I said, remember, I came on your podcast. I think it was right after Bi- Biden was elected, and before he took office. And I said, this motherfucker is going to get us back into a war within two years. And oh, here man. we are. Yeah. I remember when I first came to
1: this gym. I forget. Something was happening. I don't know. It was 2015. Yeah. And I uh, maybe it was something was going on in Syria or some uh, there, maybe we were trying to put ISIS out because we hadn't got it, any... it would have been either Syria or Crimea. I yeah, I think it was Syria. And Greg had like some operator buddy that's like, Hey Greg, you wanna go make thirty thousand in a month? We can just head down there. And Greg's like, Hey, you wanna go shoot bad guys for thirty <laughs> grand? And I'm like <laughs> Dude, I would, I would be the first guy to die with you there. <laughs> <laughs> I would be taken out immediately. Mike, why are you taking pictures? I'd be Not like, dead. you guys want geladas? And Boom, <laughs> just get winged
0: <laughs> in the lung. <laughs> I brought a my <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh Goddamn. What kind of ducks I'm, you guys got out here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh,
2: shit. I'm calling the pee break. Another one. Yeah, uh, pee break number two. Good gravy. We're gonna have to. It's a long figure, one. Well, we're
0: gonna have to figure out a way to get. We need some... chiladas and catheters. If Anheuser Busch <laughs> oh is listening, I need, I need a pallet of chiladas <laughs> followed by bed and sores. A colostomy
2: bag. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna have to get some sponsors before too long, so we can justify these breaks. Mm-hmm. You know, and just fucking chop it with that. I think water might be one of them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Sponsors everybody. Water. Yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. We you need know? dick pills. What is it? Tax service? What else do podcasts? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, underwear, hymns.com. Yeah. BioPro. Yeah. BioPro.
0: Greg. Jake. Oh, yeah. Jake's right. drawers. Jake's that's, that's...
2: that's. <laughs> we should make a...
1: Sherry's berries. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I try.
2: I, I sent you the link to that one dude's thing. <laughs> anyway. Um, I One thing that I took out of this book... Again, we're going back to this book, trying to really concentrate here. Um, on um, Peleliu, I thought like after, after the book and like being that again, I'm, I'm reading it like I want it to be a movie. Right. And I'm hoping for this ending of like, he ends up getting the goddamn medal of honor, you know, for all this heroic shit he did. And you realize like, and I think he, he mentions it in here. He didn't get a medal at all. He didn't get an individual medal. And he didn't get a Purple Heart. Luckily, he was happy yeah. about it, right? And um,
0: through two brutal campaigns, one no, of twenty six no awards, I think, yeah. no awards one or of anything 26 like that that made it through. But and not like there was an opportunity to duck and hide. No, no. Yeah. Well,
2: I mean, it, in the very first fucking charge to get to the beach, I think they they, would, he he jumped crazy. down and got <laughs> shelled for an hour. Yeah, yeah. he jumped in. He, he was like in a little fucking ditch. <laughs> yeah, the luck you of know? that
0: statistical anomaly.
2: Yeah. Well and, and he what did he what did he say in there? God, there's there's some good shit. Guys, go go read this book. It's worth it. The audible version's awesome. The book, I'm sure, is awesome if you're into that kind of weird shit. Uh but <laughs> <laughs> words. Letters <laughs> form words, <laughs> word form sentences, sentence, S- very sentence very form few, paragraphs. Yeah, very few pictures. <laughs> yeah, but there are there are pictures in here and they're worth uh they're worth uh, eighteen dollars, whatever this thing gets you. Um but uh no he he didn't get any awards and uh i wanted to see that happen and then the realization of like there was so much heroic shit going on around this guy like every every instance it's like every hour of every day i mean they the yeah. guys running out there just the gurney guys I was running. just
0: going to say the the medical uh not, not just the Corman, but the like the litter crews. So you need four guys to go out and carry the litter back. Yeah, and they're just running out in front of Japanese fire. Yeah, team. with yeah.
2: nothing but a fucking uh, a gurney and a fucking couple rifles just yeah. slung over their shoulder, trying to be lightweight and moving, yep. getting shot at the whole fucking time. And there's nothing his mortar recruit could do to fucking try and lay down some cover for him. Yeah, and they're just out there getting it. And they pick up that one medic. They run. One guy gets hit. Another guy gets hit, and they fucking, two front guys carrying the thing, the gurney, turn around, grab the other guys underneath the shoulder, and they grab the guy that they originally went out to get, and they all fucking limp off and get into a bush.
0: Yeah. yeah. Shit like that is unbelievable. Yeah. 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 Well, imagine getting pointed at by your your sergeant and being like, you two, litter, litter duty, go get that Marine up there. Where all those bullets are being <laughs> yeah, fired, I exactly. need you to, to run up there. Just, with this just stretcher. run through that, that with the fucking, stretcher, yeah. get that guy on the stretcher, that's, and run back, knowing you're going to be really yeah, slow. Yeah, it's raining yeah.
2: out. Don't go get wet. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's, Fuck yeah, that's it fucking a. wild. I think
1: that's yeah, that's a huge fact. Like the things that these people would do, you know, um, it's not for like I'm Captain America and I have to do this. I think uh, if you have ever read a lot of or any warm material, or even a good book is Tribe by uh, Sebastian Young. Younger. Younger. Um, It's really like these guys rose to the occasion because of the people around them. You know, it wasn't about we're going to beat the Japanese. It's I'm here with my crew. my friends. And I'm going to do everything I can to keep them alive and safe. And it's more so... (laughs) You know, it's about the people around you, not the people in front of you. And it makes me think, like, why does it work up here or, like, at this gym or things like that? And it's, like, it goes back to that. It's the people around you and what you do with them. It's not – you have this goal of I want to get good and be this thing, but it's also, like – it's you don't realize how important it is doing it with the person to the left and to the right of
0: you. You're hitting on one of the deeper like aspects of humanity. And that's what that book tribe is about is it is so fucking important to have like real friends. Mm. And I think that's one of the reasons we see so much mental health Uh, or so many mental health issues in the United States right now is because people are disenfranchised. And I think, I think we've covered this on one of our earlier episodes where it's like, you know, the modern day American man gets out of bed before his wife and kids and he gets to his office, checks in, you know, gets into his cubicle, gets going. then maybe, you know, somewhere mid, mid morning has like a six minute conversation over coffee with somebody and then back to his cubicle and then maybe lunch with like a guy he knows and then back to his cubicle. And then drives home and no connection with, and then sit down and watch Netflix and do, you know, have no connection uh, with anybody. Mm -hmm. And that, that's, that is so of hardship. Yeah. It's so opposite of what human beings are. And we, we developed as little bands of people that relied on one another for survival. And that's, that's what a tribe was. It was, it was, it was mutual survival. Right. And so that's where these deep, emotional connections come from so if, if you're living in modern society and life's pretty freaking easy then like how do you bond with one another if you don't go through hardship together and i think that's why the the gym here is really special because those seven minute rounds even even though you're fighting each other you're going through that seven minute round with somebody yeah and you're going through that practice you know what i mean like that that yeah. bond that forms the same thing with any sport like foot, like i should say you're not going to get that from tennis, but you know football, <laughs> hockey, whatever. You know team sports. Yeah. It's it's one of the things. It's one of the reasons why team sports are really important for kids because they they make those bonds with with other yeah. kids, and it's what's missing in most adults' life and why I think we are experiencing so many mental health issues.
2: Yeah, I think there's something special though to, and obviously I'm super fucking biased, but um, I think there's something special to having sports where you have a crew you compete with or you have a a group of people you can train with and you you fight with but then like in the in the fire of it like in the competition part of it it is you
0: yeah
2: right like in it it, we're going through this like and maybe maybe would be even crazier I mean you see that like you know Russian UFC you know MMA that's like a, a team right Mm-hmm. Where they're like four, well, they're four on four and they're yeah. beating the shit <laughs> out of each other, yeah. Yeah. but I but I bet I bet <laughs> Who you me? you go out with those guys and they go get in that fucking fight, oh, and then those guys go out and hang out. I bet they're fucking tighter than shit yeah. after, oh, yeah. because they're like, oh, we just went and gotten a brawl together, like yeah. we just and that that is that's kind of cool when you start looking at it like that, like oh, we're we're on the team, but like that level of competition, I. You know, I don't think it's the same. Yeah, I don't think you're going to get that in basketball. I don't. Well,
1: high-level events bond you. Like, there is studies about just people struggle. that have... Any,
0: anything you got to struggle with. Yeah. Like even, but, so even us... Do, sorry, I'm going to cut no, you off go, go, just go. a sec. So Jordan and I both do construction. And you don't... I think we don't see as much of the disenfranchisement with construction workers. I may be biased. But I think it's because we show up at a job site. We actually, like we do a lot of bullshitting on it. You know what I mean? The entire time you're working, you're talking shit to anybody who's within earshot of you. doesn't matter if they're your buddy or someone you don't like, or you know what I mean? Like the entire, like you're, you're talking the entire day. And then you're also, it's not like a, it's not an athletic struggle, but building a building is never, it never works out as planned. You're having to think on your feet a lot and of swearing cord- going on. Yeah, a lot yeah. of like cussing You're the other trades, problems but also but also coordinating yeah. and working through problems together. And at the end of the day, you kind of finish it all out and build this building. And I think I think it's a lot of, you know, you get a lot of what's missing or not what's missing. Like we haven't missed it yet because that's our experience day in and day out. Where that cube farm experience, I think, is just destructive to people's soul. Yeah. Well, I mean,
2: in I I would imagine the suicide rate amongst oh god it's got to be huge uh, compared to people yeah, who yeah office do blue workers colors. are are gonna be Much a higher. fair bit higher yeah and you know some would say it's the magnetic
0: pull of the uh, fucking it's, it's isolation mm-hmm. uh, but it's the, what political political correctness causes isolation because oh because even fuck yeah, it does. even if you can talk to people you can't be real you no have, you, you have to be politically um, correct no so yeah I can't I can't you're be emotionally am. and intellectually isolated stifled yeah Yeah, exactly even even if you're having a conversation yeah
2: well and and you have to you can't and it's it's gotten to the point where it's not what you say it's the ideas you portray right like i can i can say i can't tell you what i truly think about something in certain settings it's not that I can't say, oh, fuck or shit or fucking swear or however, however I want to say it. It's the idea behind it that yeah. is being like, oh, no, you! if you disagree with this, yeah. you're a piece of shit and you can't talk. Yeah. And if you do talk, then somebody feels bad and now they're going to hold that against you and that's going to move up the chain. You're going to possibly lose your job and lose your, your space in this workforce or tribe or whatever you want to call whatever this is and they're moving you out of it because you're thinking differently and that is not okay and that is happening every fucking where right now yeah you go down to seattle you work at starbucks headquarters right in the in the actual buildings and you see high ups look at their look at their social media pages And how left leaning they are. Oh yeah. And if you were to be like, oh, I love shooting guns, and this is just what I love, you know, this is great, and you start posting that, I guarantee you're going to get fucking fired for not being one hundred percent. And I
0: have a lot of students who come out to training Northwest (laughs) who email me and are like, I don't want to give you my last name, and I want to pay cash. I'm like, okay, and and please don't take pictures. Exactly. I understand. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And they won't. Like, hey, I'm going to sit out for the class photo. Got it. I understand.
2: That's fucking uh, wild. Yeah. That you can't be yourself because yep. it politically. It's like, I'm interested in this. This is what I, I want this. But yeah, sorry, nope. I can't. Well, it, that's, that's. But if I was fucking, you know, injecting my kid with some, you know, weird fucking testosterone blocker. Oh, yeah, then, then you now, celebrate. Now, I'm being, it. now, yeah, celebrate. So post that, that shit, shit, I'm going to oh be praised God. at work. Yeah.
1: Well, that's like what I was saying earlier about like communism and. Different, Like the difference between a fascist and a communist. And when you look at Mao's rise in China, it was done all through the schools. And that's why people like Jordan Peterson and people like this I think are important because all of this stuff has really started on school campuses for yeah. the most part. Then you have corporations that want to say that they're woke or I'm this or I'm that jumping on.
0: They're just trying to cushion. in.
1: Yeah, but... This stuff starting, language does matter. I mean, you can call me whatever. You're not going to hurt me. But when we start deconstructing, (laughs) when we start deconstructing what words are and what certain things mean, well, then now we're starting to get into a situation where it matters. And especially when you're dealing with the youth, like you're saying, if I post pictures on social media of this and I'm in this job, I'm going to get fired. How many 80-year-olds think about what they're posting if they post on social media? Do you think they're like, oh, I'm woke, I'm this, I'm that? It has to be with the younger generation where you're imposing ideas. Because it's not about this generation, it's about the next one that's been implanted with your ideas that will carry them out. And that's where all this war stuff ties back into it. It's how you carry yourself. Like, how did those Japanese be so vicious and everything? It's like, well, they went through since the 1500s.
0: They bayonet training in fifth grade. Yeah. yeah.
2: Here, well, I mean, you see those videos of the kids in, in China or Russia. Right now. Breaking, the breaking down together. the ARs or the, the yeah, yeah, AK-47s, AKs, right? Yeah. Um, People. And that should, I, hang I haven't been. Th- I, I coach high school wrestling, and I, I love it. But I haven't been to one fucking school. In all the different tournaments and all the places where I haven't seen a fucking pride flag flying yeah. with the the rainbow and then, like, the V. I don't even know what it all stands for anymore. It's a fucking V with fucking, like, blue and purple and pink and then brown and black and all this other fucking shit. I haven't seen – I've seen that way more than I've seen an American flag.
0: Yeah. But – and yeah. everybody, way more. Everybody who thinks we're crazy, ask yourself, why would – a nation state be training its 5th 6th 7th grade children for war unless they expected in the next 10 15 years to be involved in a in a war and you can even go back look at what high school physical education class looked like in 1941 yeah. Have you guys ever seen those videos yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like oh, it's it's the it's high, yeah it's high school kids going across it's monkey it's what bars i want and, my body to look like exactly. <laughs> yeah but, Why? Why was the United States doing military-style PE in high school? Because they knew we were headed into a massive conflict. So, if China and Russia are doing the same things with their school-aged children, you guys might want to fucking pay attention.
2: Yeah. No. It's we're we are we are
0: setting ourselves up for a incredible failure. Oh yeah. And think about like, let's say we had to have a draft right now. Look at the fucking children. That who who would who the fuck would be an infantryman? Some blue haired kid from who's who's been working the window at Starbucks who doesn't have a muscle like his body is completely devoid of muscle tone. It's just like an amorphous blob Yeah, it's supported by a skeleton. Nothing but soy. Yeah, soy yeah. soy boy. His <laughs> <Yeah>. body <laughs> concentration of soy is like eighty percent. Yeah. And uh that's that's who we get would rely on, on. That little frame yeah. you know what i mean yeah <laughs> yeah that, that's what we would be relying on in the case of but an there's actual the still got to be jocks i mean i'm not no, i not are, hanging there are, around high school there are but, but is well, it like well, yeah, can, you, can you, make am, you make an army of them i am
2: and I, I i see the fucking kids and it's not the same as when i was in high school and that was only fucking you know i graduated in 2008 yeah, yeah. it's not the same It just—it's not the fucking same. No, even the fat kid is not
0: like an athletic kid? Dude, we had one fat kid, and it was like we had just a little—it was you know like a half inch of fat over like his his chest and body, and we're like, hey, hey, chubby. Now that's like the skinny kid. Yeah, dude, that that would—I wish that was me. Here's a
1: part of me that like struggles with all of this because it's like. I kind of grew up hippy dippy and it's like, I do have a true appreciation for arts and film and stuff like, and just, I like weird fucking stuff. And I think that it's good that (laughs) those uh,
0: like hard bodied men, (laughs) like Uh, my favorite.
3: (laughs) But uh, yeah, Uh,
1: but it's like uh, for those weirdos, for those people to make films that I like, or to music that's bizarre, or art that I think is weird, or free speech that's just out out of control, comedians and stuff, stuff that's not coming out of Russia. Yeah, it's not taking part in those. So it's like part of what we need. Is to stick up. That's what makes a community, is having strong people stick up so those weirdos can be weirdos. I don't want a world I, in which that blue-haired kid we're, 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 doesn't exist. Without
2: question. Without question. But also, I don't want to be in a world where that blue-haired kid who's transgender, yeah, I can almost guarantee his mom has pink hair and it's short. I don't want anyone f- to force anyone I, to be that exactly. blue-haired kid. Just I like want, I
1: don't want anyone to force that blue-haired kid to be a, a badass. badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A hundred percent.
2: hundred percent. Be who you are. But like, I feel like it's getting to the point where like that's kind of where it's going. It's like kids are being I, I forced. Think, I
0: think we live in a society that has forgotten that human beings can be really brutal to each other. Even though we're yes. only 80 years removed or... 70 years removed from World War II. Yeah. From this book. And from fucking yeah. throwing yeah, 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 yeah. pebbles into skulls. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Without you, thinking exactly.
0: of it. Exactly. If you, if you read The Rape of Nanjing and see yeah. what, it, what an occupying army is capable of, and then you, like I said, if, and then you see the Chinese and the Russians teaching their middle school and elementary school children to do these kinds of like military skills, you should really start fucking paying attention.
1: Maybe we've just gotten desensitized. That's what it is. I think we're too like,
0: confident and comfortable. Com- I guess, yeah. Yeah. We, we think our military is unbeatable because we have all the latest electronics and shit. But, but it all comes from China. So if they just shut off the port, then... But I hate
1: to go back to that old phrase where what it, uh, strong men make good times, good times make weak men, weak men make soft times, soft times make... Tough men. Tough men. Tough men, right? Something but I hate to hard, go back just men. to that, that that is the reason, the only reason we're here is because those people were hard then, and then we just got soft. Is that the real reason we're yeah, I th- in I this
0: think, pickle? I think they built, built a good society that was too tolerant and too soft, and we sort of lived in our little insulated bubble over no, here. I no, think, I think somehow
2: a virus... Got into the... Bat soup. Bat soup. Mind virus. Got, got into the fucking government. Mind virus. And yeah, that's called greed. It's well, not, yeah, yeah, but that's what it greed. is. And, uh, and, you know, it's one, you know... I think that's where things changed. I think it was somewhere along the lines, the government started looking out for them and not us. Mm. And us being like the U.S., right? Like everybody that... We're, we're so caught up in so many other things,
0: and the it, 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 government or government service or elected official service became an opportunity to to make yourself. money. Yeah. yeah,
2: no, and, and there's, I think we, we it wasn't
0: it wasn't designed that way, but that's what it became, and that's that's been the failure of of capitalism has been the failure to keep those two systems separate financial and executive Mm -hmm. or the financial and keeping money out of politics. I
1: mean, been dealing with it since Rome, since Egypt. This is a lifelong problem. I think part of the problem too, that's different in this is like I said, you finish world war two, you go back to building Buicks and fake tits and it's like, and then it's like, well, right after that you start hitting into the sixties and things start to be outsourced. I think that having the world become not each nation independent and they can provide for themselves, but a global market kind of, I mean, I think that changed a lot of things too post-World War II is going into the 60s and 70s and having a globalist market where you can outsource things. You lose money in your country. You lose resilience. I mean, what was COVID? Everyone's like, wait, I can't get medicine. They're like, oh, no, it's all made in Wuhan,
0: it's all made in right next no, to the that, bat yeah, soup factory,
1: <laughs> you know? And I think that's a huge part, too, that you have to look into is America and World War II. What were we doing? We're getting our own gas. We're building our own planes. Pennsylvania was oaring minerals and steel. Bethlehem steel was the biggest steel provider in the I mean, world, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no,
0: we, and we, so you have... not be a world power during a world war anymore because we outsource so much of our material.
1: Yeah. And, I, and that's a huge thing, I think, that plays into all of this, too. I mean, you want to talk about politics and corruption and greed and how the two are interlaced, but also look at what outsourcing and becoming just a player throughout the whole world has done. And that's kind of why I feel like I say we get into these police states is because it's like, well, you know, we have a factory and it costs us this much, but if we go over to Taiwan and we do it here, it's way less money. Are they and doing it
2: at a loss or are they just throwing bodies at it?
1: <laughs> Taiwan? Yeah.
2: Or I mean are they are they able to operate and actually get the shit done cheaper? Yes. Or yeah. Are they just saying we're going to oh, put people no. through? Hell. No, they may.
0: Yeah, no, it's sweatshop
2: labor. Yeah, we are going yeah. to throw bodies at this, just like we did in the World wars. Yeah, yes. yeah so they're just yeah. saying, hey, guess what? We don't care. We're gonna we're gonna do this for our country, and yeah. so we're going yeah. to war every yes. day, yes. to become yes. a superpower. And that, I mean, look at China. And we've been coasting going, oh, we're just fucking, we're going we to make superpower. it easy. Yeah. We're the superpower. We're going to fucking yes. keep going. Yes. And guess what? So when I go and I get a pair man. of fucking Nikes that cost 100 bucks, that cost yeah. some fucking Chinese sweatshop fucking deal, 10 cents to build or whatever, yes. instead of going, hey, you know what? I'm willing to pay an American company $300 for a pair of boots. Yeah. A day's, a, a, a fucking week's wage. Yeah. Because it matters to have a good quality pair of boots. That is what we need to do in this country. Yeah, but
1: I think you just fucking nailed it right there. The same way that you're saying let's throw bodies at it and we're talking about like the leaders and then the people have to do the job in Peleliu, throw bodies at it. That's what you have to do to win. And like that Taiwan or that China, that's a small place. Hey, we don't have everything. You know, we, we can't just do this. We need the plans and you're going to invest in this, but we'll throw bodies, but you throw enough bodies and you'll rise to the top cause you got the job done. But so for that country, that's
2: a win. Yeah. But Whereas, I mean, in, in this country to throw bodies at it, we need people willing to fucking not be greedy. Yeah, but what, it also costs us more. Everyone, I mean, that's but that's, to make that's to because make like of greed, a, right? Well, I it's not it's not that we couldn't pay a living salary to a fucking boot maker who's actually out there making the boots. Yeah, it's that the gu- the fucker who owns the company.
0: Imagine if we weren't taxed like seventy percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, and that that, well, that, that's that taxation. is taxation. That
2: w- yeah, I, I just did tax, or I just started calculating some taxes. Yeah. And it was absolutely fucking. Yeah, try being um, a business seen. owner. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, fuck the the business owner that I am isn't taxed. The, the my secondary business isn't taxed because I don't pay taxes on it because I don't know what I do want outside their FBI. Fuck you. <laughs> Sorry, never mind. Yeah. The, you know, because. If you do, you're getting fucked. Yeah, yeah, you're getting absolutely raked it's, over the it's coals. It's why
0: the cost of goods is so high here, and it's why That's, the cost yes. of housing is so high. It's why the co- it's why the cost of everything here is so high is because our government. Fuck, dude, we're getting way into the weeds, and I call it like the 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 duality of takers and producers. So like producers produce either a skill or a good or a service or a good that is valuable to someone else mm-hmm. for the sake of conducting their business. Yeah or it might be just like an end user product that someone actually buys and eats or buys and yeah. And then you have takers who just mooch off the system. They don't actually provide anything anybody needs to run. Like I don't need the state government to run my business. No, I don't need them to eat. Like I'm capable of doing those things without them. So what exactly do they provide for me in my life? Hopefully some, like we covered this before some framework in which I can run my business and succeed, but if they're not doing that if they're just becoming grifters that all they want is money 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 and they don't provide me anything they don't provide me a society they don't provide me a framework in which i want to live then they're just robbing me it's just at, at that at that point at that point it's fucking theft
2: yeah it, yeah, and but then but then hey, you know what? There's tax breaks if you do this and you do that, and you got to get married. If you're married, you're gonna get a little bit more of a fucking break if you do this, you do yeah. that, and it changes when populations change and they need more people or this or that. Like yeah. there's, it, it's fucking crazy. Yeah, yeah. And they act like we don't understand that that's going on. <laughs> you know what I, I mean? And they do it I, so I blatantly think, right in front I think of our that's faces. That's the point.
0: It, it's even in. Um, we are getting so far off topic. It's sorry, even, it's even no, no, no. Yeah, it's it's, it's even in Klaus Schwab's books that like video games and drugs are a great way to distract people from the realities of the world. That's so a if, fun if, Friday, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but it's
1: interesting. I mean, like I said, I I think differently of wars because of the people we send, and it's like this is what matters: is you take something as nuanced as one. This is my favorite thing to do. Take one thing. A soldier on a beach right above, where did we learn it's from? What continent?
2: What's that? Uh, continent. The Pacific Ocean? Pacific Ocean? Australia. Australia. Oh, just, right. yeah, just above. Just take yeah. an island. Just also, above also Australia. Also the Pacific Ocean. <laughs> yeah, right?
1: right? Just above Australia. But that makes us have questions and debates about culture, about government, about power, You know, taking something as small as one guy's battle, a memoir, he wrote how long ago? And it makes us ask the same questions of civilization in the past and civilization currently. The way I run my life is a little bit because of books like that. Totally. The past. And how do I put the past in my life to understand the way I'm living currently? Mm -hmm. Right? I think that's powerful to do those kind of things. Yeah. And it
0: should put you in the weeds. It
1: should make you have more questions than you do answers.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great note to end the show on right yeah. there and leave more in the tank for later because we'll go all night. Yeah. With the old breed. <laughs> With, With the, the old, old breed. breed. Yeah, go
2: check it out. It's fucking, it's, it's good. It's yep. good.
0: And uh, so, all right, so it'll be a few weeks before we get to our next uh, book club, but it sounds like we're... We're uh, committing war to on war the on run. the run. All right. Yeah. So if people want to read that before they listen to, uh, it'll probably be two, three weeks before we record that one. Oh, we got turkey hunting coming too, oh, so shit.
1: There's yeah. going to be an interlude. We'll <laughs> put <laughs> it out <laughs> Gobble, there double, now. Double. Start it in the next month or two. We'll I, talk
2: about I think I'm going to have to buy that Mossberg turkey gun. <laughs> That's right. your war cool on the run? One. It's a cool one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, I. Uh, war on the run has been a fun, a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, cool so far. Yeah,
0: it's yeah. cool as shit. Yeah. It's, it's so, and just a real quick synopsis for you guys, if you haven't heard of this, this is Major Robert Rogers' uh, personal memoirs, and he is considered the godfather of American special operations, and I won't tell you more than that. Other than that, it's a phenomenal story. And you can find me at Training Northwest LLC and on YouTube at Training Northwest. You guys want to plug anything?
2: The, the podcast, we got an Instagram, uh, the Enlightened Neanderthals on Instagram. Uh, all all one
0: word, that's Jordan managing that. Please send dick pics. I, do, How send many fans do we pics. have?
1: And second question, how many do- downloads are we at? Are we famous yet?
0: Oh, it's, we're I, over a hundred, bro. A <laughs> uh-oh,
2: hundred uh-oh. triple digits, bitches. <laughs> uh-oh. Here we go. You guys are really. Uh, we do it for you guys. You that's know. Right. Hi, mom. <laughs> Hi, FBI. Yeah. yeah. Uh, back
0: out three of them. Have right we there. gotten
1: an email
2: yet? I think I brought that up and I haven't done any. I don't. No, there. no. You you said email well, and I was like, that's too formal. Oh, did you oh, set
0: up an email address?
2: Uh, no, I didn't set up an email we address. We need to get fan
1: questions, though.
0: I mean, well, with I mean, all do, those hundred it, people. We can,
2: we can do it through the uh, we can Instagram. Do it through Instagram. Instagram. Uh, you know, yeah. message, message us on Instagram. and Are um, you running that? We'll, we'll all run it. It's no, no, Jordan it's, it's, is. Jordan's running. Send Send,
1: send all those dick pics to <laughs> our buddy Jordan at Enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning
0: yeah. Please yeah. rate. Oh, shit. All right, guys. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> Have a good all day. Right.
3: Later